0: Welcome to Freed Up. This is the podcast that makes life feel lighter. And if you're wanting to live freed up and not fed up, stay connected right here. Pull up your seat. Join us in this place where faith and mental health meet. Whether you're returning here or if it's your first time, I hope you find this podcast as a useful resource to elevate your faith and mental health. So stay a while. All of you will be back in a moment. Well, hello and welcome back for another episode of Freed Up. Yes, we are still talking about shifting shame. And wow, it seems like... It took a couple of years for us to elevate this topic as a sole focus on freed up, and now that we have, it's kind of like, wow, there's so many layers to this, and it's just hard to let it go. So we're gonna keep on digging deeper and peeling back the layers until we get to the place where God says, okay, that's good, y'all. Um, but before I get into the heart of what I want to share today, I definitely want to check in on you first to see how was your experience these last two weeks? Because you all had the exercise of listening to yourself talk and doing some reflection around the questions that I gave you at the end of the last episode. So I was just curious what was it like to just sit and start thinking about some of these things? How did your answers land with you? And Did some of what came up for you, did it catch you by surprise or did it all seem to make sense to you? Let me just say the act of actively listening to yourself is indeed a practice and a skill and something that most of us in this whirlwind world have not mastered. You know, it's no wonder the monks, they go hard, y'all, and they get away because they've got to develop this routine and this discipline. So it's hard to carve out the time and space. I get that. But it's often, too, a little bit scary and painful. I always say window work is way easier. I just look out and see what everybody else needs to do. But honey, that mirror, ooh, that thing is cold-blooded and it will test our will. I found that for me, it's not about my desire. It really is about my will, my fortitude. My courage, that persistence and humility that it takes to just let that thing bite me if it wants to bite. And I'm pretty sure I'm in good company when I say, I would rather the mirror, you know, tell me that I'm decently okay and that, you know, I only need a few minor changes. I'm not sure about that mirror for you, but mine does not say that to me. Oh, mirror, mirror on the wall. I need the whole truth and be gentle. That's all. Well, Thank God for grace, because I want you to know that you can face and not turn your back on you. This time, when you get to face you, this is the favored time. So no more running, no more hiding, no more numbing, no more fighting. Because the stakes are getting higher and higher, friends, and we cannot forfeit any more of the ground of our vitality and our vibrant purpose to the fear of facing ourselves and the shame that shrouds our identity. We are done with superficial and survival stuff. Okay, We are going all in for the fullness of what God has promised us and is waiting on us to receive as we push through to our restored selves. All right. So that was my battle cry and inspiration for us. And with that, I want to say this. Words matter. And I know we know that in our heads, in our cognitive spaces. But how do we live it out in a way that bears this out? I've been thinking a lot about how much words matter and how deeply they affect us. The exercise that you completed in part was to elevate the words that are being spoken in your life over and over again because they are your current story. Right. And so the purpose of restoring is because words matter, period. And don't just take my word for it. Since the foundation of freed up is the word of God. Let me share two Bible verses that literally yanked my chain this week. And I've heard them many times before and quoted them several times. But this shifting shame business, y'all, is no joke. And they hit a bit different for me this time. If you're familiar with them, I want you to think of them as I read them with respect to shifting the shame in your life. So the first one is Proverbs 18, 21. It says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And then the second one is James chapter three, verse two through 12. And I'm going to read a summary of these verses and not all of them in its entirety. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and fish, but no man can tame the tongue. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Hear the word of the Lord. Okay, so let's just analyze these two Bible verses for a moment. So the tongue, words, can either cause me death or life. They will determine the quality of my life. And I have a choice in this. And will my life be manifested based upon my words? Yes, 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 and yes. And James says, of all the creatures in the world that have been tamed, the tongue is what hasn't been successfully brought under submission. So I was thinking about this, and I don't know how many of you all ever went to the Barnum and Bailey Circus as a child or even as adult. So I thought about this of all the animals I've seen in the circus who do these amazing tricks, right? They are all so huge. Tigers, elephants, horses. And then I think about in comparison, the tongue is so small in its size, but man, the power that lives in it is so great. So much so that it can corrupt the entire body. That means physically, Spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, it can set our entire life on fire, meaning that the tongue, our words, can create tormenting experiences in our lives. And then James goes on to say in that scripture that blessings and curses flow from the tongue. But that ain't right. Okay, that was the 2022 version, the ain't part, right? Um, But what is designed to produce blessing or beauty should not then produce that which is opposed to its intended purpose. That's not right. Our tongues produce words and those words should produce life. That is the tongue's purpose. Words are spoken, words land, Words live, words produce. And in order to shift shame and to restore our stories, we've got to assess what words have been spoken over us and what words we continue to speak over ourselves that cause us to live in these shadows of shame. Now, of course, we've experienced nonverbal actions and behaviors that speak volumes into our life as well. Communication is, of course, both verbal and nonverbal. But some of our most hard to get past experiences are because of literal words that were spoken to us or about us in our past. And we've replayed them over and over again in our present and they will become our future if we don't root them out now. And I want to surface this as a thought. Words in my mind have a two generational impact. All right. So. We often discuss strategies in community practice, in social work, and social services, based upon a two-generational framework that supports both a parent and their child. Well, if we trace back the self-talk that we're hearing and think about some of the origins that we've heard them, we can likely hear and think about words spoken to us from our caregivers and from others who either raised us or taught us or gave care to us in some other way. Their words were like arrows that landed in your life. And then we have a language of life or death that we are speaking into our lives as well. And yet other influences, including the culture, the voices of those with whom we've given a front row seat into our lives, those also continue to shape our thinking and our speaking as well. So let me apply this two-gen way of thinking into how it can show up in reference to our self-talk and shame thinking. Some words from our upbringing might have sounded like this. Children should be seen and not heard. Sound familiar? Suck it up. You're not the only one hurting. Or, you know, you are just getting too big for your britches. What about Act your age and not your shoe size. Also, who do you think you are? What do you know? Nothing, that's what. Or maybe you heard something like, I trust you about as far as I can throw you. Why can't you be more like your sister or your brother or whoever? You can fill in the blank there. Stop crying before I give you something to cry about or maybe even this statement, you'll never amount to anything. Or, oh, you are just like your daddy or your mommy or whoever fill in that blank. Or what about fix that attitude before I do? You're going to respect me. And the list goes on and on. And so much of these statements of words, Were said to us in our rearing that carried over from our caregivers' upbringings are still sitting with us today, and I say that they're two generational because they've carried over from our caregivers' upbringing as well. And these are some words, and there may be other ones that you're probably recalling in your quiet moments of reflection, or they're reverberating in your head in times where you feel weak or vulnerable, inadequate, unloved discouraged, or broken. And many of these are subconsciously guiding your thinking and actions and you don't even know it. And as such, they're going to become part of what you speak to yourself, having internalized them, which give them that two-generational impact. It affected your parents or your caregivers or those who raised you, and it's affecting you. For example, If you heard something like children should be seen and not heard and you were a child, then you likely have adopted the belief that you shouldn't express yourself and you're not worthy to express yourself, which means that you are living inauthentically as you are abandoning a part of yourself that is needed for a whole human emotional experience in your life. If you heard words that were said like, Now, you are just getting too big for your britches. Then you will speak to yourself that you have to stay small and go along to get along so that you don't make anybody mad or rock the boat. And then you'll believe and then speak to yourself and show up behaviorally as if something is wrong with you. You will exist often subconsciously in a dumbed down way and feel guilty all the time, not even knowing why you feel guilty, but believing that you don't deserve to succeed, that you should never accept any praise or applause. Or if you heard words spoken to you and over you, like you're good for nothing, or you are just like whoever's name that didn't measure up to that person's expectations or demands. Then you will say to yourself and over yourself that you're not lovable, useful, capable, or worthy of any good in your life. Words matter. They matter when they're spoken to you and they matter when you speak them to yourselves. So what do we do? Because that's what we need to get to, right? Right. Well, the number one step in restoring your narrative, editing your SFD, taming the tongues of the past and the present that speak into your life, those two generational voices, yours and others, and your caregivers. That is to connect to the truth of God's word and what he says about you. And for the believer, God's word is the foundation of our faith. His words to you and about you and over you were spoken before the world began, before you were formed in your mother's womb, before you were birthed into that hospital room or wherever you made your entrance into life. His words must become the words that are the voices in our heads. And let me say this, if you are not a believer in Christ, as always, freed up invites you to relationship with him know that God's words apply to you too. But your relationship with him, however, will determine the level of credence that you give to his words about you. So whenever you are hearing yourself talk or others talk to you, ask three simple questions that will help you restore those moments and your narrative going forward. Okay, here's the first question. Whose voice is that? Or whose words are those? And then the second question to ask is, okay, so what did God say about me, about this? And then the third question is, what's the whole story? What am I or they leaving out or what's been left out? Those are three very important questions to ask to really begin to reflect and think about The narrative that you are drawing on and the words that you are speaking back to yourself. And let me say this shifting shame doesn't mean that we only need to hear good things about ourselves. Rather, we want the whole story because that's the balanced picture. Can I tell you my whole story in a nutshell? I mean, it's just a few lines. There are lots of other parts to it, but like in a nutshell, I am a believer in Christ. But I'm also a sinner, a wretch. Even the good that I do, as the Bible says, is filthy rag. On my best day, I am in need of God's grace and mercy. But I'm restored back to God because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for my sins. I am called a saint, a believer. And my hope is to live for Christ since he died for me. That's the whole story. Either part by itself is incomplete. If I get stuck in the center part of my story, then I will be completely discouraged. If I stay rooted only in my restored story, I will begin to lose part of the side of me that needed God and needs him every day of my life. So the truth is hearing good about ourselves all the time. It might make us feel good but only will ultimately make us down spiral because inherently we know that we're not good all the time and the pressure to be good and perfect is a weight that none of us can live up to. Conversely, hearing negative things about ourselves continually will make us insecure, will cause us to lose hope and it will relegate us to living in shame spaces and we'll keep buying into shame story that we're not lovable, we're not capable, we're helpless, and we're not valued. So as you are restoring and rewriting your life's narrative, will you take the first step and just choose to listen to the voice of God, the voice of love, the words of your creator and designer, because he speaks life over you. And shame is opposed to life because it keeps us from the beauty and the joyful essence of it. God's voice today is saying to you, His words matter. Our words matter. So choose His voice. Choose life. Choose to remember that your words will become your life and they matter. Also remember this. You do not walk this path alone as we are restoring our lives. I am walking right alongside you as well as the rest of the freed up friends and family. And don't forget... God loves you, I love you, and make sure you take care of you.